0: You're listening to the Owner Build Podcast, where each week Paul Hemming from SeaLink interviews experts on how small and medium sized developers can level up their business through intelligent construction management.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode 26 of the Owner Build Podcast. It's me, Paul Hemming. And I am joined again by Liam Curley. Curls, I am over my croaky voice. You've got the you've got me back in in full fitness. What do you think about that?
0: I like it, ball. Yeah. <laughs> what's, happened?
1: What's, 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 what's happened to your voice? You went very very faint there.
0: Yeah, I don't know. That was unintended though. Didn't sound good. I can apologise. Blown but... away by my proper voice.
1: Fantastic. Uh,
0: I think you. I think. I think you intimidated me.
1: <laughs> You're the first person on the planet who has ever said that about me. Have you been on your Peloton today? What have you been doing?
0: Yeah, I've been on Peloton today, actually, so yeah. You I mean, love that
1: thing,
0: don't you? Oh, I love that thing. You know, I'm a big fan of Peloton. I'd love uh, some sort of affiliate uh, relationship with them to... because uh, so I keep plugging them. <laughs> if anyone's listening. If anyone <laughs> Yeah, if anyone from Peloton is listening to this... <laughs>
1: that would be unusual number one but (laughs) number two please do get in touch yeah Yeah. cool um so today our episode is uh we're on a bit of a roll here with uh with accents we we're just cranking up the accents we're getting people with fantastic accents week in week out this episode is someone whose arm I had to twist a little bit to come onto the show I think she's going to be a great guest Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Rachel Ricketts to the show. Rachel is a commercial and commercial and project manager, I think, at Vable London. How are you, Rachel?
2: I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me.
1: I told you the accent was good, didn't I? What What <laughs> an accent. Hello, Rachel. I
2: hope everybody else enjoys it as much as you do. Trust me.
1: Uh, I think that'll be hard because I really am <laughs> a fan.
0: Um, I'm sure they will. Where's, the, where, where's your accent from, Rachel?
2: I'm from Jamaica. Exactly. Right?
0: I was going to say Canada. Amazing. I obviously don't know my accents.
2: It, it takes a good trained ear to hear my Caribbean accent come okay, through. Okay,
0: so now I, oh, now I can hear it. <laughs> now you said it. Yeah. <laughs> Straight to the point. Bang. <laughs> so, 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 Rachel, for
1: the sake of, of all of our listeners, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience.
2: Yeah, sure. No worries. So... As you said, right now, I work as a project manager for a small developer here in London. Previously for the past, I don't know how many other years I've been working in construction. I've been working as a quantity surveyor, always working for a residential developer, typically for one of the, always working for uh, one of the top five UK house builders, but now having the great fun and pleasure of working for an SME, so that's quite good.
1: You've stepped to the dark side or the light side. I don't know what side <laughs> it be. it's
2: just it's just a different side, neither light or dark, just mm. different.
1: Okay, excellent, excellent. So you're a QS or you're a project manager. What do you consider yourself or both? Um,
2: I consider myself to be both. I have the training and understanding of a QS, um, but naturally, my mind likes to plan to coordinate. So I have quite a a good perfect PM ability. If I don't
1: say so myself. <laughs> Excellent, That's a great skill set. Yeah, it is. It is, and uh, it is exactly the kind of skill set, Liam, that we were talking about way back when, when it was winter time on episode eight, nine, something like that. When we were talking about this is this is this is what I've done. This is why I had to twist Rachel's arm to come on. We were talking about could you find a project manager who was commercially savvy. I've gone and done it. I found one. And I found one with a Jamaican accent as well. I need some credit. I need I need much more credit than I'm getting. Um, no, I'll give so, you full credit now.
0: I so, disrespect you for too long.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's for absolutely sure. So we're really, uh, really delighted to have you on the show today, Rachel. And as I was alluding to, Liam and I like to talk about construction management mm-hmm. as a procurement route. A lot. I can tell you're already excited by this. Um, and what, one of the reasons I'm so intrigued to speak to you is you are a project manager working now at an SME who is doing construction management as a route, which is fantastic. So before we jump into the detail, as a project manager, how do you personally measure success on a project? How, what are you aiming to achieve at the start of a project?
2: To be honest, I think it is just like the three three main criterias. I would like our project to finish on time or as close to on time as humanly possible. I want it to be on budget, though. I mean, I must say I don't know any that are on budget, but as close to budget, too. And quality- Do you know
1: any that are on time?
2: <laughs> I mean... <laughs>
1: All of yours, obviously, but I mean, there's lots of others that aren't. Yeah,
2: yeah, time's a good one. And quality, because I work for a developer that is very much, uh, because we design internally as well, it's very design-led. So if I'm not meeting that criteria as well, I would have also failed. So the three things are equally as important um, and impact each other in every way.
1: Okay, that's cool. And what do you think of construction management as a route to achieving those three things?
2: I come with a very biased view, though, because I've always worked for a developer, whether it be a big UK developer or like now as an SME. So I've, you know, that route, working for a client, you're always taking on that approach of hiring your trade contractors, managing the design process, et cetera. So I am truly biased in that I don't particularly know the other ways of doing it. This is the way that I know. This is the way that I enjoy. And actually, I wouldn't change it.
1: The, the others are rubbish, Rach. You've, you've hit the nail on the head. Um,
2: okay. <laughs> I know, I, and I love this. So, um, yeah, I can't speak for the others too well.
1: But all jokes aside, so obviously the the impact of different procurement routes, so design and build versus construction management, does impact those three things that you're trying to control. What's the most challenging for you in terms of those those three that you are constantly striving to, to manage?
2: Again, I don't know if you can go without the others. So for example, if I think in terms of not necessarily the design, but in terms of the quality of install on site, et cetera, meeting cost right now, because of where we are in the industry and having a lot of shortages, whether it be people or materials, et cetera, that has a knock on impact, not on just the quality of our install, which affects the quality that I'm being rated on. But also, it affects my program because if I don't have the materials, like I'm struggling with that now. Materials are taking absolutely forever and a day to come to site. It's impacting on my program, which thus impacts on my cost. So I'm feeling it from all three aspects right now.
1: It's a difficult moment, right, with materials. What what are you most most struggling to get your hands on?
2: Would you believe it's one of the main things at the moment? I'm struggling with joinery. So our kitchen supplies, so the melamines that they use, you just can't get them in Europe. They, When we were told we would have them in May or June, they're now saying like September, October, November. Um, and I'm having that from a variety of suppliers. So that tiling, just typical timber insulation, like it's its a lot of different things, which is very frustrating.
1: It's amazing, isn't it, really, where, where we're at. But I, I, I guess this is a short term... Um pinch point um, off the back of COVID and everything else. So hopefully we will get over it. Okay, so going into a little bit more detail about how you guys as SME developers operate construction management. Liam and I have argued or debated before how you would transition as an SME developer away from employing a main contractor, the traditional route let's call Mm -hmm. it for the sake of this conversation to construction management approach where you are employing multiple different subcontractors and we have said we would do that by finding pretty much a a rachel ricketts kind of character someone who is comfortable managing the operational project side of things but is also comfortable managing the commercial side of things how do you guys manage your projects
2: so i think for We have sort of like a very different approach to it in some ways, or what we've tried to do is sort of do what the industry wants to do, but hasn't really done. Every project that we have is run by what we call a hub. A hub is a three-person team that includes a project manager, a construction manager, and a project architect. My role as project manager is actually different to what I've heard you describe in in your um, podcast number nine, in the fact that... I don't physically sit on site. I manage all things commercial, planning, party wall, design management, um, anything like that. But I also work with the team to manage program, logistics, etc. But the day-to-day management is still held by a site manager or construction manager is the person on site. And I'm sort of overarching everything else and managing the the sort of commercial side of things.
1: Okay, so you're project setup is that you have an in-house design team yep. as I understand it a project architect yeah and you then have yourself as the project manager and you have a site manager and you coordinate the design and the construction and the commercial as the project lead effectively
2: effectively but we don't look at it so much as me being the whole project lead we do try to look at it as being a three-man lead or three-person lead but that may have a a fluidity to it and a folk and like, except for the commercial stuff which I manage purely. For example, if we look at something like program, yes, the site manager might be the person on site dealing with that day to day. But we sit down weekly. We look at what can be done. We tackle it. If I need to get involved in actually coordinating the, the contractors as well, I do that, as I've done
0: Rachel, today. Rachel, yes, um, Liam? was that the setup? before you started
2: this was yeah well. just before I started it was actually introduced so maybe a couple of months before I started the business
0: so it was so for all intents and purposes that was a setup when you jo- uh, for you joining it was yeah and do you know what Vable did before with regards to structure
2: not 100% and also one of the differences that has happened is that within that structure that I've just described SPM I am the only person who is a QS. So I have two other counterparts in the business and who act as project managers, but their background is one is was an architect and one was a site manager. So we bring different things to the table. And I think particu- one of the things I would say as a challenge or an observation that I've noticed is that for the other two members of staff, a QS working with them would be such a great thing because that person brings on that act that extra aspect of things especially post-contract stuff because not everybody wants to do payments not everybody definitely doesn't want to argue with a subcontractor about delays except Except
1: for you apparently rachel
2: i mean i don't really love to do it all (laughs) to be honest but i can do it people know not to take the make with me too much so you know you you need to have someone who wants to do that and also someone who has a bit of something, a drive. Because again, I wouldn't just say any QS could become a PM, because not every QS wants to take that responsibility on to drive the team. You know, you need. I certainly didn't to drive want to. <laughs> 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 I, I, I,
1: I, honestly, I was happier being a QS. It isn't something that makes me uh, want to jump out of bed, being doing the project management side. But well, let's let's cut to the chase here. So you were listening to me and Liam ramble on three or four months ago, thinking. These guys are clueless. <laughs> <laughs> you, need, you, need to have, you need to have a site manager. Is that, is that right? For, forgetting, the, forgetting the design side of things, do you, do you think that it is absolutely essential to have both project and construction manager, if that makes sense, as two defined roles?
2: Yeah, yeah. So if I think back to that episode and think about what I know in the industry, I know that right now my role is very unique in the sense that, as I think you guys pointed out, typically a project manager is somebody who was a site manager. That's just their promotion. And now they're called a project manager and they may now manage a couple of site managers. And it's just a progression for them. That That's what typically, especially in development, project managers, that's their background. So for me now having the responsibility of looking at not just commercial, not just like, being involved with site but I'm not managing the site on a day-to-day basis but I'm overseeing or not overseeing but I'm working with the person who is managing that plus managing the commercial and then every other aspect of the project because in my situation I don't have I don't have a colleague who's just dealing with planning and party wall or dealing with design management you know that's the PM's role. So I think a typical developer, if they wanted to do something, even for us, if you had a site manager, a QS and a PM overseeing that and everything else, I think that works. For me, that makes sense.
1: Excellent. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, I want to explore this a little bit further and a little bit more uh, detail, but we will do that right after this break, Rachel.
0: I wanted to take a quick break from the show to share a message from our sponsor, c C-Link. Clink is software designed to streamline the process of subcontract procurement. It's a platform that helps SME developers and main contractors stay agile whilst replicating the commercial scale and savvy of large contractors. If you want to save a guaranteed minimum 5% against budget construction costs on your next project, head to www.get.c-link.com slash podcast to find out more. If you're driving or working out right now and didn't catch that URL, don't sweat it. We've included the link in the description box for this episode. Now, let's get back to the show.
1: So, I'm going to try and dig myself out of a hole here because
2: <laughs>
1: don't laugh. What we were saying on uh well, what we were saying on episode nine was we were talking about the transition away from being a developer or an SME who has always used a principal contractor and transitioning to construction management. And we were talking about identifying a single individual to help you with that initial transition and that individual being someone who can manage both the site and commercial don't smirk Liam, don't smirk and i believe that that is a way to make that jump um I, I still firmly do believe that but what i'm understanding from this conversation with you rachel and conversations that we've had prior to this is that vable are actually a relatively uh, mature business in doing construction management it's not the first time that they're doing this it's something that you've been doing yes for
2: a couple of years
1: exactly so you're now in a position where you have this established project management team and you're now building in similar efficiencies to what a main contractor would have would effectively have but still retaining the commercial benefit of doing things on a uh, construction management basis so is have i got myself out of jail with that rachel
2: no no i i mean it's No, no, you
1: haven't. You definitely haven't.
2: (laughs) I I agree to an extent. I I think we can't underestimate the benefit of having a good site manager on board. Like you need someone who can manage that site properly in the same way you need someone who can understand the money. You know, both are essential and it would be, I agree, very difficult to find someone who really, one, can do it and who wants to do it because that's also two different things like
1: absolutely and and so we're rather than looking for someone who has a combined set of skills i.e this commercially minded site comfortable project manager who i was describing in episode nine you would actually argue that you need a construction manager who is comfortable driving the site and, and competent at driving the site and then you definitely need a project manager Potentially with some commercial savvy, um, such as yourself or a project manager and, and a QS, effectively.
2: Yeah, agreed. You you might be lucky to find a commercial manager who appreciates cost, but you know they don't want to have to deal with because I think I think the problem comes right in in like purely just on a practical term. If you need to turn to your plumber today and say, you know what, I need you to do that pipe for me. But then at the same time, you're not paying him because you disagree with him. It's very difficult to be confident to ask for that, what you want, knowing that you're having an argument about something else. Sometimes even just by having the two people, it, you know, you can separate that conversation. And, and people Good going, bad sure separate. Yeah, yeah. I'm always... Rachel,
0: how does it work with your colleagues when they're managing um, projects? So when you've got uh, another project manager that hasn't in your um, company hasn't got the same it is not like they're
2: learning as they go they're learning as they go Leo. So they're acting uh, as a
0: QS hybrid project manager as well are they
2: yep Yes they are And what I would say with that is that I can see that they would benefit from having that QS involved um especially post contract stage you know it just it does make a difference
1: When you say post contract you mean in terms of managing payments managing instructions yeah. managing variations
2: yeah exactly because as you guys said rightly you know when you come to things like notices even just the payments themselves you know you you want someone who understands what they have to do and i'm not saying that qsing is some magical job that nobody can't learn but it does take it can take a character to do it right
1: no i i think that's that that makes absolute sense yes yeah, totally right um how are you feeling about this liam <laughs> what, what what are your
0: thoughts yeah, yeah what are you what are your thoughts I'm, I'm just rethinking everything I've ever thought. <laughs> no, I um, my thoughts are. First question that came to my mind was when Rachel described her uh, skill set, and I, I use the word hybrid just because it's an easy it comes to mind. But i uh, kind of a hybrid project manager quantity surveyor. My first question would be Rachel, would how many people are there like that in the market? not many so is and your colleagues are first and foremost project managers i think you said one person come from site manager background one was an architect and the other was an architect so first question would be do you think the model that you're using with three person team the, the team that you have for a developer small developer is that the best model Or could it be even better?
2: Oh, is it the best model? I think the model works. And I am biased because I'm a QS. I think the model works better if the PM is a QS. And if the PM is not a QS, then you have a QS to support. And I think the model works if you have a team that works. A team that is fluid. A team that is prepared to work together, to chip in, to do not it is not defined in the roles aren't defined in every sense. You know, you have to have that dynamic aspect to it for it to work. If people want to be prescriptive and say, you know what, I'm just type manager and that's all I'm interested in, then in some ways that doesn't work. And I think for an SME, you do need people who want to pull together. If you don't want that, then you work for a bigger company and you just do as you're told and you go
1: home. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think think you need it for any project team really. Don't need to be a success
0: yeah so okay so that so then let's say so broadly speaking we we agree that your model is what we're looking to achieve it's not better than my model no. live
2: <laughs> no, no. no
0: not your model but you know what i'm no, saying let's no, no. agree no, 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 no.
2: it works in the sense that if you think of a traditional approach of having you know, you have your QS and then you have your technical, technical manager managing the design, and then you have a site manager doing this, and you have a planning and land person doing that. Though you're working for the same business and you're working on the same project, you don't always pull together. The site manager is cussing the QS about cost, the design person is doing this. You know, you, you have a bit of friction, and sometimes people throw each other under the bus. By us having the three-person team, of oh, throwing someone under the bus is a pointless exercise because you are judged as a team, as a unit. You are delivering the project together. There's no separate department. There's no separate manager. It's just us.
0: That's right. So let's let's say, Rachel, you're speaking with a small developer now. Yeah. Or you are the small developer. All right. You're going to be the managing director. You start this business. You are not going to work in the business. You are not going to be part of the team. So we can't use your skills. How are you going to build that team?
2: The the only difference would be the, the, the architect because it would be dependent on whether or not we design internally. So I might put that one to the side. Then I would say then I would want definitely a site manager, a QS, and then I would put a PM on top of the two. And the PM will oversee the site manager, the QS, and then manage everything else. Manage the design team, and every other aspect. I, I would still keep that structure because I think I think the QS is essential. I think the the site manager is essential, and I think if you had someone overseeing them, you need someone to pull that team together. And a good PM should be able to do that.
1: Definitely, yeah. No, that that makes sense. And, whew, crikey blowing me out of the water there. And 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 on, on what type of project? Just to understand so the types of project that you guys are working on are what they're two units 20 units 50 units what approximately is the size of your construction
2: so i'm currently working on three projects at the moment i have a 29 unit new build a 25 unit refurb and a 71 unit uh, new build
1: oh okay so that's all four or five million on the 20, 29, 28 units, that kind of construction cost, and then the 71 units is? Uh,
2: the, four, the the 29 units game is closer to eight.
0: Okay, okay. No, yeah. Cause I think that's yeah. interesting, Paul, because, and I don't want to speak for you, Rachel, but you tell me what you think. So from Rachel's background of large house builder, I can see to, from your perspective, it's, a, it's an SME developer, small developer. From Paul and I's perspective, Paul, what do you think? I would say that you're kind of, from where we sit, more medium-sized or at least moving towards medium-sized developer. What do you think? Yeah,
1: perhaps I would say that obviously where you came from, I think it was St. George's and Bellway are obviously in the-
2: Yeah, yeah. Tier one, I I let my last project was a a 200 million pound scheme. Yeah, for me, it's like just
1: (laughs) just throw one project manager on there, I reckon that should solve it. Um, so so obviously, those guys are tier ones, they're not SMEs, they're large enterprise, let's call them. And then the SME sphere, which we spend a lot of time in, I would say that if you're delivering projects of 71 units as decent sized gdv decent sized construction costs but i would classify that more as the m element of the sme and so again it kind of i know i keep on trying to go back to our conversation on episode nine for me it does make a lot of sense having those structured elements of your team having the site manager construction manager qs and, and definitely when you're talking about Tens of millions of pounds of construction, repeatedly year after year. I would absolutely endorse having uh, quantity surveyors, commercial management in 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 the organisation. But and this is, this is really interesting. I think we, maybe then we should go back to what we go back to that episode and almost go go back to the numbers as well that we talked about way back when and think about the difference between an S developer and an M
0: developer because it does. I think there is a slightly different uh, feeling between the two it possibly doesn't really matter that much with regards to interpreting the difference well i think what's interesting it would be and so i'll put this question to rachel is if you are a developer who has not long been established uh, say a handful of years and you're doing i don't know three projects a year and they are Around nine units per project, let's say. I'm imagining that's probably not feasible to, I could be wrong, but I imagine it's not feasible to have three people on each project like you would um, from a financial perspective. So if we assume you have to have a site, you have to have someone on site um, as a minimum, what type and Okay, sorry, there's gonna be two questions. First question is, do you think that that person should be using a traditional main contractor route or should they use a uh, construction management route?
2: So I, I will give a, so it's in, uh, it is an interesting question and I actually have a, a really good friend of mine who is starting his own development business. Um, he's doing a 19 unit scheme in manchester and he's having that conversation does he go to a main contractor or does he self deliver and the end decision was to self deliver one to get the learning because how do you really know how to grow your business if you don't start doing it for yourself and that's sort of the conclusion that he has drawn to you may also again, and this is where you know you you may not employ them directly, but pay maybe you put take them on as a freelance QS. You get someone who can help you manage those costs because again, if you're managing it directly, there are certain costs that you can alleviate. The cost of the main contractor's profit is gone. If you do like at like where I am as well, we buy a lot of material, so again, we take off the twenty percent that the contractor just put on for the material. Um, Elements of things so you can find ways to make savings now the savings will only stay in place if you manage the process of how you build so you still need somebody competent to find the savings and then a site manager who can manage that program manage that delivery and make sure that all of that was worthwhile if not get the main contractor involved and, and just beat them to a pub to get it done so it depends on who you can hire it comes down to the person you can hire
1: so or but also sorry Liam, but also it comes down to how granular you want to go with construction management because it does sound i'm, I'm understanding more and more now about how the way you guys operate it sounds like you really really lean in the way you approach construction costs you're, you're buying the materials itself which then drives even more responsibility to have someone responsible for, for, for that element whereas when you're first starting out the transition to construction management, I would argue you could just manage the subcontractors who do the supply and install with a smaller resource yourself. And then as you grow more confident and mature with construction management, you can then transition into the fact that you say, look, we can take, we can extract even more profit by getting an extra bit of resource to then buy the materials, et cetera. So that makes sense to me.
2: I mean, the thing is that the, it depends on how big you get, though, because I would say this is the first time that I've personally had to buy the trims that are going to be used between my tiles and my timber. This this is like a new a new level of detail for me, which is actually
1: scary quite, new world.
2: Quite very quite time consuming, but I can see the benefit if you can make the system work. But if you can't, then it becomes a waste of time because it elongates your program especially with the delays out there in the industry.
0: And so just to, so, so just to understand as well. So, really on, yeah. No, no, no. So the message to your friend in Manchester, who was first development, was you need a good project manager on site and a minimum a freelance quantity surveyor. Yeah. As well, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's what I said. I'm sure that's what I said. I'm going to have to listen back to episode (laughs) 9. I knew me and you would get on I I think that's
2: what you would need for sure. You need the project manager on site and the freelance QS to help with everything Mm. commercial. Yeah, That's how you can get it going.
1: All all jokes aside, it's it's, uh, really interesting to get a different perspective on this, Rachel, particularly from someone who is actually on the ground doing it Day, day in day out on three different projects It's really really it's been excellent to speak to you and um you've, you've definitely by without a shadow of doubt got the best accent we've ever had on here and that's including my quirky <laughs> voice last week so fair fair play to you <laughs> no it's been a real pleasure having you on
2: as i said thank you for having me thank you guys for having me it's been a- fun
1: absolutely no it's been a real pleasure what what i will do rachel is i will i'll pop your details on the um episode description and details about um Vabel as well and um if anyone listening has got any questions wants us to discuss any topics wants to say hello drop us a line we'd love to hear from you and
0: uh, yeah that's everything for today yeah Great. and Thank that you. goes that goes for anyone that works for peloton as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: get in touch with liam yeah okay awesome guys Thanks so much. Have a lovely day. Speak to you later. See you next week, Liam. Catch you later. Thank you. Cheers, Rachel.